The Crowncast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and you are listening to The Crowncast. And uh, we got a post-react today that that makes me sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so we knew there was going to be some chaos. Um, we... Just recently, obviously, played Austin, and this is the post-react for Austin versus Charlotte FC at home in the vault. And it is a post-react at home loss. And I'm not used to saying those words. The It's the at-home. The vault home. got, yeah, the yeah. vault got broken into. Uh, and as ever, uh, that voice that you hear is Justin. Hello, Justin. Hey, Logan. How are you today? I am, you know, happy that I got to go back into the stadium yeah, happy that I got to go see the team play. I was actually really happy to see the the team sheet come out for what names were on the field. Obviously, we discussed in the last podcast that we had some real concerns. COVID may have put like actual real breaks on this squad. Like we could be missing significant portions of players, and that was not the case. Uh, <clears throat> although maybe the energy levels were a bit low, so there could have been some some. You know, maybe people had some COVID and were recovering. I don't know exactly, but I think we had concerns that we could have been like very similar to our situation in Toronto, where just whole parts of the team. Montreal. Were there. Oh yeah, Montreal. I that's on me. Uh, <laughs> and really, no we had a pretty good starting setup. I mean, do you want to talk really, really, really briefly before we get into crowns and cards about the starting eleven? Look, we had. I think. Maybe the top choice starting 11. You know, Shin Yashiki's back in the squad. Yazwiak gets the start, finally. Uh, Bender and Ortiz in those attacking midfield spots. Brent Bronico, of course, holding it down in the defensive mid. And then, you know, they, they trot out that back four that had Christian Fuchs at left back and kept the center-back partnership of Walks and, and uh, Carujo. And then, uh, you know, Harrison Awful, who I guess is now our starter in that right-back spot. Mm-hmm. So... It, this is about as strong a starting 11 uh, as you can ask for. Kalina's back in between the posts, and Swiderski stop, starts, uh, stops might be a Freudian slip there, but Swiderski <laughs> starts up top. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was really excited when I saw this because, and we'll go into it more in the Wednesday cast, uh, but I was really excited when I saw this because it was the first time I think we got to see the Polish combo up top as a start. And we'll talk about how effective yeah. that was later. We are going to go ahead and jump in. We talked about this off mic, Justin. And the listeners won't believe us that we actually love this game so much. We'll, we'll talk about it on and off mic uh, because we're crazy. But yep, we talked about the fact that this was a very 5.5 game out of almost everyone. Which means it's going to be kind of hard to give out both crowns and cards today. So I think we're going to do one apiece. And they're going to be soft in both directions, I think, is, yeah. the, is the right way to preface what we're talking about. Um, Justin, as ever, uh, start on the cards or start on the crowns? Oh, let's start on the crowns. Let's start on the good side. And again, you know, the difference in this match between a player who's crowned and a player who's carded is is not a huge difference in performance. No, it's going to be nitpicks both ways. It's going to be like, hey, this person did this particular thing really well twice for a crown and this person did this particular thing really bad once for a card uh so you said we're going to start crowns right 
Yeah, let's start with the good stuff. Okay. Um, so by my previous definition, I want to give a crown and a card to the same player, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to start my crown. I think it's safe to say that Guzman Carujo was the best player on the field, but I'm getting tired of Guzman Carujo being the best <laughs> player on the field. Uh, so he's not going to be the one I go for. I'm going to use this crown like somebody who who slightly exceeded my expectations, uh, and that is Kamal Yazwiak. I got very frustrated with uh, Kamal Yazwiak in the fact that apparently every time he puts in a cross, he is only capable of kicking it directly into the hands of the keeper so that the keeper doesn't have to move in any way, shape, or form. That is why I felt like I wanted to give him both. But something I can say is we absolutely saw his willingness to take on a defender on the outside. Uh, we saw his willingness to drive the ball inside, his willingness to to take the the sort of nothing on the outside, and instead of just pass it back, try and create something to the inside. I think he was basically the only one really trying to do that. Andre Shinyashinki gave it a couple runs today, but I was really happy to see another player come into the squad who took the ball on the outside, looked up, and said, okay, I'll have a go at you. I fancy this, right? I'm not, I'm not scared of you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make your life hell today, and you're going to have to learn to live with it. And either I'm going to beat you or you're going to beat me, but I'm not going to make it a, a you get to lay back in your armchair day. And I love that mentality in a winger. I love that that willingness, that sort of like, for those of you who are familiar with the Premier League, that Bukayo Saka ability to go inside and outside, that ability to look up at a player and think, oh yeah, I'm roasting you, buddy. You You are getting owned by me today. Some and of he, us might call that a, a Marcus Rashford talent rather than a Bakaya Saka talent. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you'd have to succeed for, uh, for it to be a Bakaya Saka talent. Uh, so well, while, while Justin and I get off on our own differences here, uh, I will say I don't think it was connected with the rest of the team well, and that could be a matter of the guy just hasn't gotten that much run out in the field, but he was running. He was after it. He wanted it. He brought the speed. He brought the challenge. He looked up at the defense and said, I'm having you today. And unfortunately, the defense kind of had him that day. But that doesn't stop us from seeing the clear mentality. And that is what I love so much. So for that today, I think uh, Kamal Yazwiak is actually getting a crown for me. Yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, I, I agree in everything that you said. His his crossing ability left a little bit to be desired. Although I will say, when when he comes out and Vargas goes in, Vargas does the same, you know, crosses straight to the keeper. The crosses are a volume thing, and he puts them, you know, he, he whips them in with pace and with a height that I like. Um, So some of those will eventually come good. But... His willingness to to make those runs and and his technical ability to take the cutback after he makes the run, and then find the the short pass into danger. We had an extraordinarily dangerous series 
with multiple shots uh, that was all really started by Kamil Yazwiak being willing to make that run on the wing, go at a defender, draw them out of position, and then make some passes. Yeah. And so I'm excited to see it. And and had you not crowned him, uh, I would have. Okay. Okay. Well, then I'm going to give the next round to you, obviously. And I want you to know, yeah. Justin, before we get into the cards, there is going to be a secret card that you and I are going to put our hands together for. And I'm sure you already know what that secret card is. I, um, I hope I do. But just so you know, try and use your intuition. There <laughs> is going to be a secret card that you and I, oh, we, we, we do the, the raising of our hands together for. So keep that in mind. That'll be after our, our, our player. That sounds card. good to me. Go ahead with your crown. So uh, um, I am going to crown Guzman Carujo because he is just consistently effective and, and strong at the back. Um, I'm seeing a surprising amount of, of dislike for Guzman Carrillo in the subreddit for Charlotte FC. And I think that, that people may have some unhealthy expectations of, you know, because they the argument that I'm seeing there is, oh, well, Carrillo doesn't do anything except defend. Well, I don't know really what else you're expecting out of your starting central defender, but... You know, when you talk about the players who, who stop one-on-ones effectively, and don't get me wrong, Christian Kalina does a great job on a 1v1 uh, again last night. He's a, a very effective stop. Yeah, Carujo keeps stopping attacks, though. Carujo keeps interrupting them. He's doing it higher up the pitch now, which I think is great because I think he's very effective in the 1v1s. I would agree, yeah. Um, and, and again, something something about this particular crown does come from the fact that there weren't a ton of other standout performers on the pitch. Yep. You know, I like you said, I think Shin Yashiki did some good stuff. Um, you know, I think Bender was still, a, you know, a willing runner and, and a participant, and he had a great attempt on. He had a great I've chance got, on a volley. I don't know if I'll call it a great attempt. I've got stuff to say about Bender in this one, and it is um, it is both nice and not nice. So if you want to hear me both be nice to Ben Bender and be not nice to Ben Bender, wait for the Wednesday cast because that's that's coming. I think there's some real talking points on how he played today. But but, you know, I don't know that in a match where everybody is a little bit poor. Guzman Carujo is still consistently good. And and we were probably unfair earlier when we said it was a 5.5 out of everybody because Carujo probably still gives us a seven in this match. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately for Carujo, a seven is not an outstanding performance for him, but... That's his baseline. That's what we just expect out of him now, which, by the way, is insane. Um, But also, when the rest of the team is playing at that 5.5 level, you got to recognize the seven, and Carujo brings it again. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't think that's unfair. I, I do think it's a... There's always this challenge of a player's ability versus how we see them on the field, right? If Cristiano Ronaldo rocked up and scored one goal, absolutely destroying two people on his way to that goal, but then did nothing else in the rest of the game, you'd go, meh, that was kind of a nothing game from Cristiano Ronaldo, you know? Yeah, he he put one goal in the back of the net against weak opposition to him and otherwise did basically nothing. If right now Carol Swiderski did that, we would all be jumping out of our freaking seats, right? So it, 
it's a, it's a matter of the talent that they have and their their current ability versus the performance they put on the field. And I do feel like it was another good day from Guzman Carujo. In order for Guzman Carujo to keep getting crowns from me, he's going to have to do better. And, and, like, I'll keep calling him out. I'll keep saying, hey, man, you are doing a fantastic job. The crowns are just from me going to start getting distributed elsewhere. But he does probably deserve a shout-out for the fact that, again, like you said, in a day where everybody put in fives, he put in a 7, 7.5. And he was probably the only one outside of maybe Christian Kalina. Well, and, and the other thing about it, right, is I think that Kamal Yazwiak showed some real talent. I think he showed us – I think it, uh, Kamal Yazwiak is the only one who showed us something that we hadn't necessarily seen before. Yeah. Out of, you know, out of the toolkits of all of these players and everything like that. And I think kind of everybody else on the pitch played it a little safe and and didn't necessarily wow. And so – when that happens, I'm going to choose the player who put in just the, the best performance on the pitch, even if it's not a wild performance. Uh, well, I guess that takes us to our cards. And because I took the first crown, I'm going to I'm gonna give you the honor of, of taking the first card. Yeah. Um, I, I have a couple of people here that, like, again, this isn't that they put in a terrible shift. But they were relatively ineffective in their positions and, and things like that. But the, the one I think I'm going to do, and unfortunately I feel like I, I've carded him before for it, but I thought it was another relatively anonymous performance for the most part from TDRTs. You know, See, I think there's oh, go ahead, go ahead. I don't wanna... two things that I thought were, were halfway decent. And bo- it, like there, the, the one thing he did really well, there's a pass that clears – off of the defender's arm and falls to Andre Shinyashiki. Uh, that was a very nice pass from TDRTs. Um, and he has sort of this looped at the back post, half shot, half cross. It, it, it almost goes in, but it's so low percentage that it's again one of those situations where I don't know if it was the right decision in that situation from my perspective. Um, and beyond those, I don't know that td ortiz is doing the sorts of things that i really want which is opening the space you know for ben bender opening the space for carol swiderski opening the space because he's playing on that right side for kemal yaswiak linking the play you know really effectively positioning so that brant bronico has the progressive pass available to him mm-hmm. it felt you know, watching from the bar with, with some other Charlotte FC fans, it felt a little anonymous for me again from TTRTs. And again, it's not a truly awful performance or anything, but I, I just wasn't thrilled with it. And what I really want is I want to see an attacking partnership in the midfield that, that has more of that work effort coupled with some real technical ability. Yeah, you want to you want to see a pairing that can drive the ball forward, and we definitely didn't see that today. Um, I'm going to weigh in here because, and this is what I'm talking about: how everyone kind of felt to me like they did some good and they did some bad. At 15 minutes into this game, I actually had a note in my phone that I was thinking about crowning T.D. Ortiz, and then he just disappeared. Hmm. 
in the first like 10 minutes of this game, T.D. Ortiz was everywhere. He was making really good runs. He was making really good passes. He was controlling the ball really well in the midfield. He was looking like a threat. There was a time he pulled a, a, I mean, a decent cross into him out of the air, surrounded by like four guys, and just ran through all four of them. Uh, nothing came of that, but it was that progressive. I want to move the ball forward. I want, and I was like, yes, TD Ortiz showed up today. Yes, this is the guy that I know is in there. This is the guy who who thrills fans and can show up and can absolutely destroy teams and maybe we got a shot today. And and then it just vanished. And then he was just gone. I mean, like, it was almost like his 10 minutes of effort didn't work, so he was like, meh. Uh, you know, uh, I told the coach I'd put in 10 minutes, and I did that, which means I'm on vacation now. So if you need me, I'll be in the bar, uh, but don't need me. Like, that was almost the vibe I got from T.D. Ortiz. And it, again, it was one of those that, you know, I just I thought about him as both my crown for this and also my card for this because really, really good moments, uh, a little bit of really, really good effort followed by oblivion. And I don't, I don't know that I have a better way to phrase it than that. Justin, do you want to tack any last thoughts on to T.D. Ortiz? I mean, the only thing I'll say is, is and, and maybe it's a lot of rose-colored glasses because I love the story and everything like that, but I think that the cameo, the, the, the action that we got to see in Montreal from Chris Heggert, I, I'd like to see him get 30 minutes in the spot with the rest of the starting 11 around him, you know, with Ben Bender sort of, of flanked just to his left, and let... Let's see what happens when, because uh, I think Hegert brought energy and creativity to that position, you know, and I'd like to see what he can do with, you know, the full squad around him just to see, because I have not been impressed with Ortiz and I have not been impressed with Alcivar in that position next to, to Bender. We've never really had a chance to see Ruiz and Bender play together. For some reason, that's always the sub. Yeah, let's, let's save that discussion. And let's write down left or right eight discussion for Wednesday because I have a lot of thoughts on this as well. And uh, I don't think we have the time to go into it today. Yeah. So that leaves me with my card. Is that correct? Yes. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, I think the person that I am going to card today... Boy, it's tough. Because, <laughs> again, I feel like so many of them were... Meh? M- meh, yeah. I think the person I'm going to card today is Christian Fuchs. Um, okay. I think the reason I'm going to card Christian Fuchs is in the style of game that we were playing, that really push up, really try and hold possession... I think Fuchs gives us some of the ability to hold that possession. But one of the things I think you expect when you put Christian Fuchs on the field is that you're going to get some balls that really split defenses. And about 40% of the way through the game, I was really watching Christian Fuchs. And the only thing I ever saw him play was that U-ball, was that ball that goes up to the winger, goes back to Christian Fuchs, goes back to the center back, 
goes back to the other center back, goes out to the right side, goes up to the right side, comes back down the right side, back to the center, back to the center, back to Fuchs, back up, back, back, back. And that, we call it the U of death in football. And it just means that for one reason or another, the team can't find a way to do to pick the lock of the other team's defense. And Christian Fuchs is the guy who, if I was going to put the responsibility on anyone, the responsibility would be on him from that back line to make that deadly pass. I don't think anybody's going to ask anyone else on the team to do this, this role. So when Christian Fuchs came in, while he gave us maybe a little security up top, he didn't give us that deadly ball that I think we were kind of needing to have any threaded goal because we had no threaded goal. And he also didn't give us the super high speed one way or the other. You know, he didn't give us the sort of attacking sharpness that Joseph Mora has been giving us. And I think that's a statement that I'm saying Joseph Mora's attacking sharpness is is somehow significantly deadlier than what I saw out of Christian Fuchs. Again, I think my statement here is this is a card on what I know the player can do. And whether that's just him coming back from injury a little slow or uh, whether you know he doesn't quite have his fitness yet from coming back from injury, I know that player's technical ability is a 10 out of 10. I know that player's game sense is a 10 out of 10. I know that player's football IQ is a 10 out of 10. In a game where we had a lot of possession, I didn't really see him put it to use. And, you know, I think that ultimately comes up with a card for me, but a soft one. Uh, Justin, what are you thinking? Yeah, it's an interesting situation because I think that Fuchs does... There there are a couple of occasions where Fuchs puts some nice sort of progressive passes in. I think the biggest indictment of Fuchs at the left back position is what it seems to do to Andre Shinyashiki. Mm-hmm. Because I think Mora gives the overlap on the outside. And I think Shinyashiki likes that because I think that gives him the, the drop outlet mm-hmm. when he tries to make his inverted wing runs. Push well, in at the corner of the 18, try and find that position. I don't know that he feels like he can do that with Fuchs behind him there. I think it also gives him that nice triangle between himself, Bender, and Mora, you know? Yeah. It gives him that, you know, we talk about triangles in football, and they are, like, one of the most effective theoretical football shapes you can have. But it gives them those three players who are all technically pretty skilled, who all play the ball pretty quickly, and who are all pretty quick, and... Yeah, we I think we definitely saw the breakdown of that today, like you were talking about, and and you're right. I think Andre Shinyashinki gets marginalized a bit in this because he doesn't have that supporting skill. Yeah, and I think he's just not used to playing with a left back right now that is going to play deeper uh, than him. He's really looking for that left back to make the overlapping run and and be in a slightly more advanced position to play the one twos and play those triangles like you talked about. So it's not that I think that Fuchs is, is bad. I, I think that, and this is definitely something that we'll talk about on Wednesday, that this game systematically felt different than Latanzio's first game in charge of the squad. Yeah. And we will get um, to that. I'm going to push us along because yeah. uh, you and I, I like uh, I said, well, I will say uh, I was a little surprised that you didn't card Swiderski. 
Swiderski getting getting his own podcast. <laughs> um, we're gonna we are gonna have another podcast. Half of half of Wednesday is gonna be Harold Swiderski. Uh, um, no, uh, we're we're gonna go into that later. I don't need to go into it now. We one person who does need to get a card today is uh and we'll band together for this justin do you want to say it at the same time with me oh, i'm assuming that what we're talking about here is three two one the, the referees. official yeah uh holy crap so again in regular... two seconds of this match there should have been a yellow card there should have been against an austin fc player from the opening kickoff an austin fc player decides to come in on tt ortiz and not play the ball at all and just hip check him off the ball and it gets called a foul, should be a booking. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the primary role in this one, and then I'm gonna give you like fifteen seconds total to go off on the ref. And I'm doing that because, you know, I don't want you to use too many explicative explicative ex- explicatives. Um, English is hard. Uh there is a point, and regular listeners of the show will know I am the one who holds us back from from talking about the referees. There's a point at which a referee has failed to do his job. And the job that I care about on the field is whether or not the referees protect the players. Ultimately, in three weeks, a decision that goes one way or the other, and we will talk about the fact probably on Wednesday that the handball decision is one of the most atrocious calls I've ever seen. Ultimately, what worries me is by 70 minutes in that game, I thought somebody was just going to go break somebody's ankle because they could. And I didn't know which team it was going to be on. I mean, genuinely, the the sense of that game was that the referee had accidentally left his cards in the locker room and wasn't capable of actually telling a player that they were doing something that was beyond safe. Yeah. And there were so many challenges that started to look like they were unsafe, that we're not getting, you know, even a talking to. And I was just sitting there like, if this continues, I am genuinely concerned that somebody's going to go, well, I was able to hit him hard previously. I'm going to go through him and somebody's going to break an angle. And and that piece, what you just said, is exactly why the first foul has to be booked. I don't care that it's only two seconds into the match or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Dangerous play. If you caution it the first time, it sends the message to both squads. You can't get away with that today. Yeah. Um, like I said, I think that today's standard of refereeing was atrocious. It was a it was a shame on the beautiful game, and it was not because the handball didn't go our way. Although that is a absolute atrocity and genuinely someone needs to to be able to go back and look at failures like that and determine whether or not these referees are fit for duty what really concerns me is that i am seeing referees who are not capable of keeping the players safe and if you can't keep the players safe you are unfit for duty as a referee and it is challenging for me to say that because i understand how difficult their job is I understand they can't be everywhere at once. I understand that no matter what calls they make, both sides are going to hate them. 
one of my best friend's father growing up was a referee and I got to hear the talk of, you know, people threatening to kill referees and people uh, just absolutely, for, for lack of a better statement, for people taking their anger out on that, that person. The, the job of a referee is to keep the game fair and safe. If you cannot do that, you do not need to be there. You are absolutely getting a, a red card for the referee today. Uh, Justin, you have your your few seconds here to properly go off. Yeah, I mean, it, this is not about, a, you know, a, a call for violence against officials or anything like that. This is a call, and, and I've said it before, we've said it before as part of this podcast. We are allowed to ask the, the officials to be held to a higher standard than they currently exhibit on the field. And it feels like, as a fan... And I will grant I'm only a fan of, of really watching Charlotte FC within MLS or, and everything like that. I've seen some highlights of some egregious calls elsewhere. Mm-hmm. This shouldn't be acceptable as the norm within the league or for Charlotte FC. There should be and there has to be a demand from the fans, from the players, from the squads that the officiating be better and that these officials be held to standards that are higher than what they're currently exhibiting on the pitch. If it is a dangerous foul, you have to caution it. Mm-hmm. If it is a if it is a truly da- if it is an injury laden foul, even if it doesn't make contact. You and I talked uh, you know off mic about a foul a couple of weeks ago where it's a studs up attempt and because a player from Charlotte FC jumps over the tackle, nothing is given. A dangerous attempt is still a dangerous attempt, even if it doesn't make contact. Yeah. And it still has to be cautioned. I would absolutely agree with that. And uh, this is one of those times that I think we have to look at the referees and, and ask what happened. And I, I'm not going to say that because we're not going to get an answer, but I do think that the people deserve an answer on both sides, on both Austin's side and ours. Uh, we are going to stop there because we are coming up on our 30-minute mark. Uh, but for those of you who uh, have joined us after a tough loss at home, as ever, we thank you so much for being here. We are so glad that you were willing to spend this time with us, whether you are in the car on your way to work, on your way home to see your families, or whether you're hopefully on a beach somewhere enjoying beautiful weather. Uh, thank you so much, and we will talk to you after the next one. Goodbye. Queen City Podcast Network.com.